Well, bless your hearts on this 4th of July weekend. Turn to your neighbor and say, bless your heart. Can you do that? Now, if you're not from around here, you may not understand that. But anyway, we're in the midst of a sermon series entitled, Bless Your Heart. And today we're going to be talking about God Bless America. In the late, latter part of the 19th century, there was a Jewish family living in the harsh region of Siberia, Russia, when they were persecuted by some uh, an anti-Semitic crowd. Because of what they faced, they decided that they needed to leave where they were, and they immigrated to the United States, taking along with them at that time their five-year-old son, Israel. Not long after they arrived in America, they discovered that their son was quite a talented musician. He taught himself how to play the piano. He taught himself how to sing, and he had a beautiful voice. And he also learned to write music. As his life progressed he, in writing music, he once published a piece, and some way there was an error in its publication, and it had his name as Irvin Berlin. He kept that name, and his name has become synonymous with one of the great composers as well as musicians of his generation. In 1919... Irvin was serving in the military when his commanding officer came to him and asked him to write a composition to be used in order to raise funds to build a building. And so he set out at that task, and during the writing of that, he wrote his first initial version of God Bless America. He decided, though, not to use it in that particular work, and so he filed it away, put it in a trunk, up in his attic, and just kind of forgot about that composition of God Bless America. Some 20 years later, in, in uh, 1938, uh, a, another singer-performer, Kate Smith, came to Irvin, and uh, she asked him to write her something for her weekly radio broadcast. And for some reason, Irvin had this writer's block. He just really couldn't come up with anything until he remembered his trunk and that piece of music, God Bless America. And so he took that out of the trunk, edited it slightly, and gave it to Kate. The evening that she performed that, it immediately became an American favorite and inspired folks of that generation with this great patriotism. It has continued to live on with us today, and for many of us, when we hear the song, God Bless America, we feel that little tingle down our spine because it does inspire for us patriotism. And probably all of us gathered here this morning do long for God to bless our nation we indeed are a part of a nation that has enjoyed many great benefits that we believe have come from God. We are a prosperous people. Our lives are filled with meaning and purpose. We are a people that are fruitful. And we live in this nation that has truly been blessed. But in this song, God Bless America, which in essence is a prayer, can we really, as a people, ask and invite God to bless us as a nation. 
This morning, I want us to take that on for a bit and to just kind of explore that possibility. It's not really a light sermon for a, 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 an Independence Day weekend, but I think it would do us some good to just reflect on this particular topic. Nestled in Psalm 23, right in the center of Psalm 23, is a statement about blessing of a nation. The psalmist writes, Blessed is the nation whose God is Yahweh. Now, Yahweh, by the way, is the Old Testament name for God. It's the name that was given to Moses for God, Yahweh. Blessed is the nation whose God is Yahweh. Now, before we go and say, let's make, be sure to make Yahweh our God like we've made the eagle our national emblem, let's unpack what the psalmist was talking about when he wrote these particular words. You see, in the ancient world of the Hebrews, most nations who lived in and around the Israelite nation had their own national gods. For Moab, it was Baal. For Sidon, it was Ashtaroth. For the Ammonites, it was Moloch. For the Babylonians, it was Sukkoth. And on and on and on, different nations had different gods. And these nations, basically what happened was that these nations chose the god that would be their national god, the god that they would worship. And... If their God happened to fail them at any point, they might just dump that particular God and choose another God, or maybe add to their gods another to their God another God that they would worship multiple gods. But Israel was different. Israel was different. Instead of them choosing their God, their God Yahweh chose them. Do you hear that distinction? God chose the nation of Israel to be God's people. Listen to some of the words of Scripture that describes this. In Deuteronomy 7, for God speaking, for you are my people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. Then in Exodus chapter 19, Now, if you obey me and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. You see, God chose the ancient nation of Israel, for a special purpose. God chose them as a kingdom of priests. In other words, they were to be the people who would link God to others on earth. They would be the people that would link God to the other nations on earth. They had this special mission. They were to be the ones through whom God's blessing, particularly the blessing that God announced to Abraham, that through Abraham and his descendants, all nations, all people groups would be blessed. The nation of Israel was to be that pipeline, that source through which that blessing would flow. 
Now, for us today, looking backward at Scripture, we know that largely that mission was laid out through the coming of one that we call the Messiah, the Christ, through whom God's blessing came to the world and continues to come to people today. They were the vehicle through which the Messiah would eventually come. They had this special nation, this special status with God. And God bestowed upon this people, these Hebrews, a special blessing, the richness of blessing. They were prosperous and fruitful in their land. They were fruitful in the human womb. They kept having babies. They had land and security. They enjoyed peace and wholeness of life. Their God, Israel's God, was Yahweh because Yahweh had chosen them. Yahweh had chosen them. And God freely bestowed upon this nation who had this special mission, His blessings. Now, for those of you who were here last week, hopefully you heard this. And if you weren't here, then you're going to hear it now. So next week when I say you heard this Last week, you'll know what I just said. But God, by His very nature, is one who bestows blessings. That's God's nature. And God freely bestows His blessings on people. There's nothing that we do to earn God's blessing. So for Israel, they didn't earn their status. God gave them their status. They didn't earn their blessings. God gave them their blessings. But also, blessings, the benefits that we receive from God, can be lost as a result of decisions, attitudes, and habits that we form. And the nation of Israel is an example of how that happened because they became, as a people, disloyal to the Lord and followed other gods, failed to welcome the stranger, didn't do justice by giving special status to particular people and groups. They didn't care for the widow, orphan, and the poor. And when you read the Bible, particularly the Old Testament, you see this nature of how they fail to follow God fully and they lost the benefits of their blessing. Now, Israel was a particular nation that God chose and blessed. The Hebrew people were God's inheritance. You see, that's what Psalm 23 is about. Basically, Psalm 23, it says, Blessed is the nation whose God is Yahweh. The psalmist is talking about the nation of Israel. He's talking about this particular nation. That's what this psalm is about. Just what I've said, it's about Israel. But we ask... Is God's blessing, and God, does God just bless to the exclusion of all other nations? Does He just bless the Hebrew nation? I think that's a fair question. But as you look at this psalm, you see this psalm has a, what I would call a universal statement. It talks about God knowing and seeing all people, all people groups. We might say it this way. God sees and knows all nations. God cares about everyone 
and every nation. God wants to bestow God's blessing on the whole world. So, let's ask a question here. Who is our nation's God? Now, that's a fair question. Who is our nation's God? Now, honestly, we could spend a lot of time unpacking what that means. But, you know, there are a lot of people in our nation who would want to claim that we are or want to make our nation a Christian nation. Now, on the surface, for many of us who gather in places like this for worship, that seems like a good idea. We want our nation to be, quote, a Christian nation. Shouldn't we just declare ourselves as that? History has taught us, though, that often when nations align themselves with a particular religion, even Christianity, that more often than not, very unpleasant consequences tend to fold. The greatest of these is that of a government using its force and power to make its people conform to the national religion. Now, for many of us who are keeping our ears tuned in to what's going on in India because of the relationships that we have with some very important ministries, we have seen that the majority government, which happens to be Hindu in India, has instituted policies that make it very difficult for both Christians and Muslims to practice their faith. And God forbid there that anyone attempt to share the good news with someone that's not already a Christian, but there are serious consequences. The government using its forces to enforce its religion. Now, we're all aware that that happens in many places where there is a Muslim nation, particularly those that practice Islamic law, that that is the case. But, you know, even Christianity has not been immune to that. You can go back just a few centuries, particularly in Europe, and find that nations, people groups that proclaim Christianity as their national religion would burn folks at the stake if they didn't conform to a particular way of believing or they advocated something that was different. There is something about this tendency. When you merge the power of the state and the power of religion, you get something that more often than not is not very pleasant. Not very pleasant. Religion is to be a compass, not a part of the state. A second thing that we see happen oftentimes when, and we find this in our own nation, when there's kind of this wedding of the politic with religion, is that particular groups, particular political ideology, oftentimes uses its religion or faith to support its politics. Now, I've been around long enough 
and exposure to lots of different things within the Christian community. To know that this is true across the political spectrum from those who are progressive to those who are conservative. And oftentimes, progressives, conservatives, use the Bible, faith, language of Christianity to justify and underpin their particular points of view. And unfortunately, in that climate, what oftentimes happens is those who disagree, those who don't use the right language, whether on the left or whether on the right, it doesn't matter. It's all the same. Will condemn those who either use the wrong language or don't support a particular point of view and so forth. In our world today, our world, has, our world in the United States has gone crazy going crazy with this kind of stuff. And as a result, folks use faith to prop up their politic. People use faith to prop up their politic. In recent years, many churches have seen people exit their ranks because they didn't feel their church was promoting the correct politic whether it was in support of a particular candidate, a particular point of view, a positions taken on an issue, or even how to address COVID-19, whether you gather, you don't gather, whether you wear a mask or you don't wear a mask. You read many people's social media in our environment today. And I wonder... Do they know that Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself? Because the vitriol and venom that oftentimes comes out against a person who disagrees is ungodly. It's ungodly. I long for believers, whether a believer leans to be a progressive or in the middle or conservative, to where that Jesus is their Lord and King and that His life, teaching, and actions shape their politics rather than their politics shape their view of Jesus and the church. I long to see that people will leave their political views because of their faith and not vice versa. And I long... For our making Jesus rule, our rule, and foremost in our life. And that rule is love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love each other as Christ has loved you. And love, we might say God forbid, but God bids it so. Love your enemies. If we live... How much difference will our lives and our interaction in this world be? You know, we can learn a lot from the ancient nation who was blessed by God. Blessings are freely given, as I said before, not earned. And God has blessed our nation 
and our lives with much. We are given because of God's goodness and love. But yet those very benefits, those blessings can be lost. You see, with blessing comes great responsibility. The prophet Amos proclaimed, Let justice roll like a mighty river. Justice is such an important thing for a nation to advocate and to support and to be a part of. And the key of justice from a biblical perspective is not showing favoritism to any group, rich or poor, young or old, male or female, white, black or brown. Justice to all. That all have equal access to the justice and grace that our systems allow. And that's not merely true in our courts, but it's true in our neighborhoods, where we live, who lives in our neighborhood, who attends our schools, who we hire for our companies, who are a part of the projects that we do. Justice, let it roll like a mighty river. Our nation, as many of you know, has some blemishes in its history. Slavery, segregation, forced removal of indigenous groups. And the memory of these things should break our hearts of a people who are called to love our neighbor. And while I believe we can't unscramble the past, we can't acknowledge that the past has happened, and we can work hard to make sure that these things never take place again and break down systems that may be in place that create injustice. The Bible makes it clear and makes a big deal of this, that caring for the widow, orphan, and immigrant is central to faith in the true God. And one of the great responsibilities we have is to provide care for those who lack the ability to care for themselves. And as a blessed people, we've been blessed with a lot of resources and we can help those who are in need. And I believe that's both a domestic matter and an international matter. Today, as we receive our, our as we take partake, partake in communion, you'll have an opportunity to give a communion offering. And today's offering is going to folks who are suffering in the Ukraine, people who are in great need. We have the opportunity to make a difference in our community and in our world and make a difference. Finally, we have the opportunity to be a light to the world. We have good news. Good news of a God who loves all people. Good news of a God who cares about people. Good news about a God who wants to bless people. Yes, yes. We have good news and we can be light to the world. God has truly blessed us. Amen. Amen. We're a blessed people. And with those blessings come huge responsibilities. And so we have a responsibility in relationship to justice, caring for the less fortunate, sharing our resources, and being light to the world. Now, those aren't things just to be legislated. These are things to be lived out in our practical lives. There may be a few of us who at some point will hold public office and hopefully faith will shape 
what happens in that person's life and the decisions that person makes. Most of us will never do that. Yes, we can go to the ballot box, and I hope we'll allow our faith and conscience to guide us as we vote. But we sure can live out the faith that we have in Jesus Christ. We can love God. We can love our neighbors. We can love each other. And yes, through the help of God, we can love our enemies. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, today we thank you that we truly are a people who have been blessed. And Lord, help us on this day, this Independence Weekend, to see the blessings that have come to us, but also know the great responsibility we have of letting justice roll, of caring for those who can't care for themselves, of loving people as you love people, and being light to the world. And Father, now as we prepare together at this table, Lord, we pray that we would be united in our faith in Jesus Christ together. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.